This is Bunny Michael. When you approach your life from the consciousness of your higher self, the knowing how worthy you are, every aspect of your life begins to change. Your relationships, your career, your self-care, your body image, everything. Because this is the process of unlearning the conditioning of our culture that raised us to believe we have to prove ourselves to belong. True success starts with knowing how much you deserve. Following your higher self is an awakening process and it's no easy feat. But as you will hear from the callers on this podcast, our paths might look different, but our journey is the same. Welcome to EXO Higher Self. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 63, How Was Your Week? I hope you had an amazing Halloween. After moving upstate, you know, since I had lived in New York City for 20 years, I was really excited to just stay home and get trick-or-treaters. We didn't have a ton because our house is like at the end of the road, so I ended up getting way too much candy. So when we went to take our puppy on a walk later that night, after it seemed like all the trick-or-treating was over, I put the rest of the candy in this big bowl and put it on our porch in case, you know, some kid was feeling mischievous enough to like take the whole thing because honestly, I couldn't keep any more candy at our house. Literally, I've been getting candy all month and eating Halloween candy all month. So I was like, oh no, I really don't want to hold on to this. And yes, someone did take all of the candy. I only wish they would have left us our bowl. They took the bowl too, which was kind of a shocker. (laughs) We also started watching um, Donnie Darko last night, and I had seen it before, you know, but I forgot how scary it is, and I was like, I don't know if I can watch this. It's so funny because when I was young, when I was little, I watched all the scary movies. Like, I watched Nightmare on Elm Street, I watched Halloween, I watched Friday the 13th. You know, my parents didn't really censor me and my sisters from that kind of stuff, which is really weird because they are actually extremely conservative and strict in other ways like we weren't allowed to do a lot of things except for movies they didn't really care and I think that really kind of shaped me today and like made me super sensitive because I think it watching that stuff at a young age was actually kind of traumatizing and um now as an adult like I can't I cannot watch scary movies I cannot watch that type of violence um it's just like is just too painful for me. I can watch like cool like movies that are slightly scary but that have like a deeper meaning. Um but ones like just for the sake of fear is like I just can't, I just can't do it. I don't know. That's just me. You know, I like to share some of my personal higher self realizations with you here every now and then when I have like a big one. And this week I had a really, really interesting one. Basically, without getting into too much detail, I reached a major goal that I had been working on for a long time. And it has to do with the higher self project and I can't announce it right now. I will announce it in the near future. But it finally happened and I had been putting in all of this effort towards making it happen. And when I first heard the news, I was really excited. You know, me and Kara went out to lunch and did like a little celebratory thing. And then the next day I woke up in a total state of panic. I just like woke up feeling horrible and scared. Am I actually worthy of this? 
what if I fail? What if everyone has it wrong and I actually don't deserve this? Like I don't actually have any talent. I don't actually know what I'm talking about. I even just like started crying. Like I was like, what is going on with me? I just felt awful. And it reminded me that no matter what happens in our life, you know, whether it's supposedly good or supposedly bad, if we're not centered in our worth, in our higher selves, we can interpret what happens as something negative anyway. We can turn what happens into some form of punishing ourselves anyway. Sort of like when we're in a loving relationship after we've had some really, really bad ones. You know, we finally find like a partner or even a friend that treats us right, you know, that is actually respectful, that is actually really trying to love us for who we are and really sees us. And then we start to panic, you know, and imagine like the worst things happening and and maybe I don't actually deserve this partner or, you know, what if they leave me? And I get a lot of questions like that actually, you know, in on this podcast not just about when their relationship is like not doing well, but also when it is doing well and somebody really not being able to hold that. And it's really hard to actually let yourself receive that love. The path of our higher selves is unlearning a very deeply ingrained belief that we are not enough. And we hold on to this belief like it's a secret and at some point in time we'll be found out. And ultimately it isn't really about what we have or what we don't have in our life because you can get exactly what you want and still feel like you're not enough or very soon need a new thing in your life to replace that to feel like you're enough. And after that wears off, then you need another thing. So I got really quiet with myself and I asked my higher self for guidance. How do I hold on to this new phase in my life without having a panic attack about the pressure to perform well? And my higher self spoke to me and said, no matter what is happening in your life, the most important priority is our relationship. That will give you the strength to continue and the gratitude to be able to enjoy the process. Where I know that I have always been enough and I don't put pressure on my path to prove to me that I am. I don't put pressure on my career. I don't put pressure on my relationship. I don't put pressure on my family. I don't put pressure on these outside things to validate me because that's how we stop being able to enjoy it. You know, when we're looking at it as if that's its job and that's how we ruin it, right? And in the process, we are very unkind to ourselves because that means that we actually don't inherently have worth. And we're always trying to find ways to prove it to ourselves. So after I kind of saw that, you know, like saw what I was doing internally, saw where these emotions were coming from, you know, I didn't shame myself for having them. It's obviously understandable. No matter how much you've been working on this path, you can still go to that place within you. You can still be afraid. You can still see yourself through that conditioning. And I was like, okay, like that's what that is. I still need to get up every morning and meditate and journal and remind myself that the love I have been seeking has always been inside me. Just like the love that you have always been seeking has always been inside you. And throughout the ups and downs of life, that truth never wavers. So put your hand on your heart right now, if you can, if you're able, and just feel that love, that love within you. It never goes away. It is who you are. And nothing that happens can ever change that. All right, everyone. Let's get to the questions. Hi, Bunny. 
Thank you for listening to my message. Um, I love how you talk about your higher self being someone who sees everything through the lens of love. And love, compassion, and kindness are some of the most important things to me that I believe in. And I want to live my life prioritizing these things, not only for my own inner peace, but to enrich my connections with others. And what I struggle with is coming in contact with people who do not live by these principles. Um, I believe everyone is deserving of respect and that unkind people are often unhappy people or unhealed. But people who are willingly unkind or act out of bigotry, I have such a hard time dealing with. And I want to be open to all people. And I feel that difficult people are often put in our lives to teach us things. But I feel that I remain unopened to that because I pick, I pick up on even the most subtle microaggressions and my patience is like immediately out the window. <laughs> and I have basically no tolerance for people who believe in or support misogyny, white supremacy, ableism, homophobia, or any systems that harm marginalized people, even if the individual is just ignorant or doesn't understand how the harm, their beliefs cause harm, doesn't understand how they are maybe more privileged than other people. And again, I want to be somebody who can have discussions with these people and be open to them and encourage them to see other perspectives and like maybe push them in the right direction. And I really envy people who can have these discussions while keeping their cool and not taking it personal because I get so upset and angry and hurt and it makes it really difficult to have a conversation or just to keep my own peace and not let these people affect me so much. Because it usually just ends with me being upset and developing distrust for people like at large. And I've been able to make good progress with misguided friends or family. But people I don't know well instill much more fear in me. Especially as a woman, I feel a lot of fear around men with misogynistic tendencies. And I never know if I should speak up and say my truth, even if it makes me very upset or protect my energy and ensure my safety, though doing this makes me feel repressed and they both kind of leave me feeling drained. So mostly I just want to ask how I can keep my peace when there are people who support such harmful systems around me and how can I connect with other people at large and go forth with unconditional love when I feel such fear and frustration towards others? Um, and yeah, just thank you so much for all you do. I'm sorry that this question kind of rambles a lot, but I feel that this question might resonate with other listeners and that you can help guide us towards love as a whole. Um, yeah, thank you. Unconditional love is a term that I think is largely misunderstood. 
Some people think it means you need to accept certain behaviors in people and love them anyway. But love says no a lot. Love draws boundaries because love doesn't enable loveless behavior. When I say seeing through the lens of your higher self, I mean seeing that we are all conditioned by oppressive systems, by our learned hierarchical beliefs, but that doesn't mean our conditioning and our LHBs are who we are. And when we see that in ourselves, it's easier to see it in other people. But just because we can see a person for who they are beyond their conditioning does not mean we have to speak to, tolerate, or engage with them. It's not our responsibility to monitor other people's journeys. All we can do is monitor our own. I know how hurtful and frustrating it is to witness someone's unconscious and oppressive and demeaning behavior. Even if they are conscious that what they're doing is hurtful, they are unconscious of the fact that doing that hurtful behavior will not actually fulfill their unconscious lack of worth. They are unconscious of the fact that love is true power, not dominance. They are desperate to feel better about themselves, and the only way that they think that will happen is if they make other people feel less than. Either way, they cannot see beyond their own conditioning. The reason why compassion is so important is not because it's meant to make the other person feel better about themselves. It's because it enables you to separate yourself from the effect of that lovelessness. When you keep in the awareness of love's presence, no matter who is unaware of it, you will not be lowered to their level of lovelessness. They cannot take that from you. So you as an individual have to investigate what boundaries will help you stay in the awareness of love and in the truth that love is your reality. If that means you need to walk away from a situation, then by all means do, because it doesn't serve anyone for you to be disempowered in that way. We all play a different role in awakening the consciousness of love on the planet. For some people, that looks like having those conversations, right? For some people, that could look like having those difficult conversations, reaching across the aisle, etc. For some other people, it could look like helping others heal from the wounds of their own oppression. And for some people, it's simply being a loving person the best way they can. You do not have to do anything that is harmful to you. But remember, that also includes not letting yourself make other people's lack of awareness ruin your inner peace. I have the sense that part of your trigger is that you're still unlearning your own conditioning around unworthiness. And so it makes it even more difficult to hear that oppressive language and not take it personally. And that is totally okay. That's okay. You're still healing. We all are. It's okay if it still hurts. So take care of yourself. That's what your higher self wants for you, to take care of yourself. This stuff isn't easy. You know, the other day, someone on my Instagram called me ignorant, and it really hurt, like, (laughs) a lot. I was laying in bed thinking about it, just thinking about this one comment, even though I've gotten so much support and kindness and compassion from so many people. Of course, I was just focused on this one comment. And even though I know that I'm not ignorant, It was just really bugging me. And then I realized it was because I'm still not totally confident in my worth. I'm still not totally confident in my work all of the time. 
Like I still have an insecurity or fear that I don't know what I'm talking about, right? And so that comment, even though I didn't deserve it, hit a nerve, a fear nerve. It hit one of my wounds. So what did I do? Did I engage with this person and say, hey, don't talk to me like that? Not this time. This time, I just blocked them. Because that was the boundary that I needed. Maybe further down in the journey, or maybe if it had been another day, I might have had the patience to talk to that person on a heart-to-heart level, but I didn't. I just wasn't up for it. And that's okay. You're a beautiful, caring, and thoughtful person. Do what you need to do to take care of your heart. Hi, Bunny. Um, I'm a new listener to the podcast, and I really, really enjoy it, and it's really helped me with a lot of um, internal growth that I'm doing. I wanted your advice on how to communicate with my partner and basically I am going through a lot of change and realization in my life at home with my family right now. I'm realizing a lot of manipulation and things that have happened in my childhood that I thought was very normal. Um, And while I'm doing this growth, I think my partner is having a really hard time and they are also very stressed dealing with my family and dealing with all this. Um, However, we keep seeming to fight and most of our fights are stemming around kind of the issue of space for both of us. Um, I don't really know how to balance growing as a person and also giving him the room that he needs and sometimes I'm feeling now like all of my personal growth is a burden I know he's very stressed but I if you have any advice on how to manage personal growth while in a relationship I guess um, that would be really helpful thank you so much Bunny I really appreciate everything you do well first of all you should be really proud of yourself for doing all this inner work it's very brave of you It's not easy to be going through something really difficult on your own or in a relationship. And since your partner is also dealing with his own stress, it makes sense that there's tension. Remember, a lot of our own family childhood dynamics can really get triggered in our romantic partnerships too because essentially it's like our new family. So maybe your family stuff is also triggering his family stuff. A healthy relationship is two people supporting each other's growth, but that support looks different for different people because we all have different needs. So I would ask yourself, what kind of support do you need from your partner during this time? And what kind of support does your partner need from you? That's the conversation that we should all be having within our relationships, right? How can I better support you? And here is how you can support me. It might be that because there's been so much focus on your family issues, your partner feels their needs are being neglected. So have that conversation. What I think is also important to remember is that even when we are in serious partnerships, we still need emotional support from friends. Only depending on your partner or only being able to talk to your partner about your problems outside of therapy puts a lot of pressure on the relationship. You need other outlets, and your partner needs other outlets for his stress too. Remember, your partner is not your therapist, and even though he loves you, he doesn't know what is right for you all of the time. And how can we expect our partners to know what's right for us? We don't even know what's right for ourselves a lot of the time. 
Another thing to keep in mind is that although you are going through this sort of awakening process about your childhood, and although that is really important, keeping the joy and pleasure in your present moment is equally important too. Part of healing your wounds is realizing that you are not your wounds and that they don't have the power to wound you now. This is an opportunity for you to really create the family dynamics that nurture the love and understanding and compassion that was lacking in your upbringing. You are already on the track. Just keep going. Hello, Exo Higher Self fam. It's Bunny here. I am so thrilled to announce my debut book, Hello Higher Self, An Outsider's Guide to Loving Yourself in a Tough World is now available for pre-order. This book is the essential manual for unlearning your limiting beliefs that have been ingrained in you by the toxicity of our culture and your trauma and your socialization. We all have to unlearn this stuff so we can channel the power of our higher self. And everyone who pre-orders this book will receive a special free gift from me to be announced shortly. So hurry to the pre-order link in the show notes and get yourself a copy. I cannot wait for you to read it. Hi, um, so recently I just came across your podcast and uh, my question would be, how do you take care of yourself while also grieving somebody you recently lost? So I have lost a really good friend of mine to a tragic accident and it wasn't natural or she was really young and right now that I've been trying to understand my spiritual self and understand what it means to be alive and to live to the fullest. How can you grieve and deal with somebody else not being here while also trying to reach that at the same time? I know it's a two-way process, but um, it'd be nice to hear somebody um, that might understand what it means to take care of some take care of yourself, but also respect and love those that have passed. I am so sorry for your loss. I don't think our culture spends enough time talking about death or grieving. And so when these things happen, it makes it even more overwhelming and confusing. And that's why there's so much fear around it too. Taking care of yourself is part of the grieving process. It is honoring your friend. Grief is a spectrum of experience. It can look like sadness or anger or confusion, but it can also look like awakening new understandings about yourself and your own life and what you value. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. I think the biggest thing is to allow yourself to have all of these different feelings and thoughts and to not judge them and to not put expectations on yourself to feel a certain way. All of your feelings are sacred. Your grieving process is sacred and it's a testament to the love you have for your friend. If you need a distraction, if you need to go get some ice cream or go see a comedy in the theater, do what you need to do. Love yourself. 
through it all with total compassion. We all have a different relationship to death and spirituality, and there are some mysteries that we'll never understand about this life here in these bodies. And maybe we don't have to have all the answers to know that love never dies. I heard a really touching thing from a pastor at a funeral that I attended once, and it really stayed with me. He said, just like a baby in the womb cannot imagine life outside of that womb, so it is for us when we try to imagine what happens when we leave our bodies. I, for one, firmly believe that we are so much more than our bodies and forms. We are spirits in a human form. What our new forms will be, or whether or not we will even have a form, is unknown and that is okay. You are connected eternally to your friend through the love that is in your heart. And there's no right or wrong way to express that love. So take a deep breath and just take it one step at a time. You're doing everything right. Don't be hard on yourself, okay? The following question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. I'm really happy that I'm finally writing this to you. It's taken me long enough. A little bit about me. I'm a working class queer artist in Texas, primarily focused on performance art and transformational makeup and costuming. I have dealt with chronic pain. It has gone undiagnosed despite loads of tests since I was 18. I have general anxiety disorder and PTSD as well. I moved out when I was 18, set on making it as an artist. Despite many setbacks with injuries, moving across the country and back due to pain, I was finally set to have my first variety show when COVID hit. I was grateful that I still got the grant and put the show on virtually, but it wasn't the same. I had just gotten my momentum back after recovering from a year-long injury when COVID hit. It just broke me. The stress of the pandemic destroyed my mental health, physical health, and small sense of financial stability I had just built back up. I haven't been in that dark of a place since I was 17. As COVID went on, I fell more into an activism space and less in an art space. I also stepped back from performing because I was afraid of performing indoors due to my health conditions. Fast forward and I'm in community college now to become an art therapist. I'm a first generation college student and have been entertaining the idea of going to school for years. I wasn't in the place mentally to go to college when I graduated high school. When I was 15, I heard that you could become an art therapist. That blew my mind. Two things I'm really passionate about, mental health and art, amazing. I haven't been able to shape the thought of being an art therapist ever since. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my access to art and mental health awareness. However, I find myself really split for a number of reasons. A, I've heard so many people say college is a waste, but it usually is from people who come from middle class to upper class families and have a safety net that say this. But after living without an education for almost a decade and battling to find a job that can meet my disabled needs, it's been hard to say the least. If I at least had a bachelor's, it would open so many doors for me. But the thought of investing this much time and energy for something to not be used scares the shit out of me. And what about everyone who has made it without a degree? Part of me feels like such a fucking failure. I'm seeing a ton of my creative friends, some who started pursuing the same time as me or later than me, thrive. And when I say thrive, I mean performing all the time taking on amazing projects, having art as their only job, etc. I'm truly happy for them. They all deserve this success. 
I feel a bit heartbroken because I wish that was me too. I've poured in so much work into my art only to feel set back by my body or finances every single time. What I've come to realize in the performance world, you need one of two things, either financial stability to pay for your art or an able body to hustle. Both are ideal. Without either, it's extremely challenging to make it and the art world can feel like the wealthy kid's playground. Here are my questions. I'm asking myself, should I just forget about school and keep pursuing my art the way I was? Am I giving up on myself? Is this a cop-out? All my adult life has been spent deep in counterculture, and for that I'm grateful. But it makes me feel kind of like a lame ass for going to school. Part of me loves the thought of being sort of a famous artist or creative director. While I find the industry to be empowering, it's also exhausting for a number of reasons. I won't list right now. I have amazing ideas... And people are always blown away when they see me perform. I know I'm a commanding artist, but part of me is afraid to live it out, I guess. But then the other part of me feels empty when all I focus on is nightlife. Another part of me wants to serve the community in other ways, but I don't want to be stuck in an office. But I need a sustainable job that works with my disability. It's just a lot to process. I feel so overwhelmed. I know I just started school and eventually once I understand how to be a student again, maybe I can focus more on my art career. But for now, I just feel like I'm swirling in contemplation all the damn time. I feel torn between two lifestyles and paths. I want the best of both worlds. Any insights, thoughts, or perspective would be greatly appreciated. Babe, I have to say that I feel like learning about art therapy and going to school for that will only empower you as an artist and a performer. It also gives you more options for your career. You know, when we're artists, our paths aren't always certain. But what is certain is that we're meant to use our creativity and share that with the world. And sometimes that happens in ways we never expected. Many of you might not know, but I'm a musician and an actor and have been performing for over 10 years. I've been on multiple tours, including touring Europe a couple of times. I've been in commercials and on a show. I love performing. But I've always struggled with feeling confident and with the ups and downs of trying to make it. I always compared myself to other people. I always felt competitive, always felt insecure. And every time something good supposedly happened and I thought, oh, this is it. This is my break. It wouldn't end up being that and then I would feel like I was failing. I went through that up and down struggle for so many years. So when I started writing the higher self memes in 2016, it was because I had reached a point where I needed something to change. I needed an outlet for my internal struggle. I needed an outlet to talk about how I was not feeling validated. And I realized that what I had been looking for in the validation of, you know, wanting to be famous or wanting people to think I was a good artist or wanting to be included in the art world, I had been looking for that validation through those experiences, but what I really needed to do was validate myself. I really needed to find the love within myself. That's what was missing. That's what I was trying to gain through all of the pursuit of success in my art. And 
when you're so focused on trying to make it, trying to be successful, you actually miss out on the gift of being an artist, on the love and the healing that art can really give to you. Your art is trying to heal you. Your art is trying to give back to you. But a lot of times we miss that when we use our art as a way to feel better about ourselves or to fulfill a sense of lack within ourselves. And it becomes a really difficult process and it stops being enjoyable. So when I started writing those memes, I had no expectation of it becoming a career. None at all. I didn't make them so that, you know, people would think I was a good artist or a good writer or anything like that. I just started expressing the struggles that I was going through. But over the years, I realized that I could merge my artistic sensibility with something deeper than just wanting to be famous and successful. I realized that my creativity could be used to help heal and help others heal. I feel a kinship with you, and I want you to know that expanding your experience and learning new things only helps you as an artist. The funny thing is that when I decided to do for others instead of just myself, when I realized my creativity was about something bigger than myself, many more opportunities that I never could have had before opened up. Many more opportunities happened that I never really expected. The fact that you are a creative person who loves to perform will make you an amazing educator, and the fact that you care deeply about mental health will make you a better artist. These things can work hand in hand in your own unique way. I guess my point is that if you have an instinct that you want to help people, I think you should follow that instinct. And if you have the desire to perform, I think you should keep performing. You can do both, and each thing can empower the other. You're going to learn so much about who we are as people, who you are as a person, who you are as a creative person through the process of educating yourself about art therapy. It's going to inspire you. Whether or not you take an office job from it is sort of up in the air at this point because honestly, you don't really know how you're going to be feeling years from now. You don't know what your future is going to look like. But I don't want you to silence that part of you that sees yourself as someone who can give back, as someone who is passionate about mental health. You know, the thing about being an artist is that people are way more drawn to authenticity than they are to expertise. You can be the expert in your artistic field. You could have perfect pitch. You can draw a technically perfect painting or piece of visual art or whatever. But what actually attracts people is the seemingly courageous, authentic self-expression. Because what's really coming out is your soul, your spirit. And that connects with other people's spirit, other people's soul. You know, inspire comes from in spirit. And we as artists use all of our experiences, including the most difficult ones, including what happened to us during the pandemic, including all our insecurities, including all our fears, including what we struggled with in our life, including our setbacks. And it's true, you don't fit in to the status quo of what a performer should look like or be able to do. But that is why you're so important. That is why your contribution matters so much. 
And that is your gift. I see a very bright future for you. It won't be easy, but you are so much more powerful than you realize right now. The pandemic was hard on all of us, but it also helped us inspire new possibilities in ourselves because it taught us that we cannot always depend on what happens in order to love who we really are because the world is going to throw wild stuff at us, right? At one point in our life, we might seem at the top of our careers and then something happens and everything could be taken away. So the whole point is to love yourself for who you are. And your art is simply an expression of joy of that. You know, it's simply expressing your life force. And it's so inspiring to other people. And it helps other people feel that they can be brave enough to be their authentic self. And that is why it is so healing. And that is what you have to contribute. The thing is, is that you've already been doing that. Your performance has already been giving back. And I think what this process is really showing you is that you're ready to level that up and to expand that and reach more people and reach them in different ways than you thought before. So I'm really excited for you. Just keep moving forward, keep having fun and trust your path. You totally got this. All right, everyone, that wraps up episode 63. I just wanted to also remind you, you know, that last question was a lot about creativity and art making. And our next live Zoom episode this month is going to be on how to hire yourself your creative process. So I'm going to be talking a lot about art making and self-expression and what that looks like from your higher self perspective and how you can help keep it sustainable through that and so if any of you are you know struggling with your creativity or maybe you want to be more creative than you ever have been before or maybe you're trying to turn your creative passion into a sustainable career you know this is definitely the topic that you should be (laughs) tuning into so make sure that you sign up on our patreon at patreon.com forward slash exo higher self sign up for angels or miracles tier so that you can attend that live episode all right everyone i'm so grateful for this time with you thank you so much for giving it and being part of this. And thank you to everyone who sent in questions. Y'all are doing so much for so many people, really. Your vulnerability is helping a lot of people. A lot of people listen to this podcast, which means a lot of people are looking for that type of inspiration. And a lot of people are on this path. And it's so beautiful that we can help each other out just by sharing our story. It's really powerful. Take care of yourselves. Have an amazing week. I love you and so did your higher self. I'll see you next time. Bye. Exo Higher Self is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, hosted by me, Bunny Michael, produced by Kara Gilvey with original music and sound mixing by Michael Bihari. 